0: Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamili Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Good day, good day, guys. I just want to give you a quick disclaimer before we get into this podcast. I had recorded this right, just little, little right before um, the holidays. And I took a bit of a break um, honoring myself and just honoring so many good things that are happening. And then I'm planning like the summit. So if you guys attended the summit, so excited for you, but I want to get into this topic. We are really going to talk about overcoming isolation and worthlessness. And I truly appreciated this conversation with Tina. Welcome back for another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. Always bringing you amazing content. Guys, the holiday season is coming up. I hope that you are taking care of yourself. I hope that you are setting boundaries if you need to set boundaries. If you're not comfortable with certain things, being around family members, or just fulfilling certain expectations that family has of you, I just want you to know that it is okay to say no and take a step back and take care of you. It is so important to take care of you especially with the changes in the season, seasonal affective disorder. You guys know I've posted on it. Go check out on my Instagram, anything on seasonal affective disorder, please take care of yourself. So with that being said, I'm so excited to have Tina here, who is another awesome, awesome guest on the Beauteous Me podcast. And let me just tell you who Tina is. Tina is an award-winning author, inspirational speaker, and a life coach. Tina also hosts the Flourishment Podcast and publishes Expiration Online, a weekly devotional for writers. She has won over 30 writing awards. Her fiction and nonfiction strive to clarify how we might relate better to others, to ourselves and to God. Licensed as a counselor since 2005, she has over 20 years of experience teaching parents to at-risk families writing skills, communication, inner healing, and spiritual growth. She has counseled and taught adults, teens, and children in academic, clinical, and faith-based settings. Yeager serves on the steering committee of the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association as director of traditional groups with Word Weavers International and as an active member of Christian Authors Network, Spark Media, and Christian Women in Media Association. Her courses on subdue Stress and Anxiety, Scythe Characters, and Kindle Your Creative Spark are available online. Though currently a life coach, author, speaker, and podcast host, Tina is also familiar with shame's oppression at a personal level. Tina wrestled with isolation from peers, body image, and low self-esteem issues, even trending into eating disordered behaviors. Tina, welcome welcome. Welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here with you this morning.
0: So tell us a little bit about yourself. I always ask my guests to tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, I think you covered a lot of that when you read the bio, of course. <laughs> um, I should have sent you a shorter one. I think that was really long. Um, but yeah, I, I really do feel passionate about helping encourage those who feel the attacks of shame to really Mm. overcome that and experience esteem and growth and purpose and fulfillment.
0: I love it. So you wrote this book. It's called Upcycled Craft for a Purpose. Tell us about this book.
1: Well, I was on a walk after the Christian Product Expo, and I was noticing for ministry leaders and retailers, people had not just been forced into isolation and then come back out of it, We stayed there. We were broken and we still are. We're still suffering from a host of mental illnesses right now, probably more than we have in recent history, especially among younger people and in families. And yet we're staying alone. We're not reaching out. We're behind our screens. We're working from home. We're churching from home. We're networking from home. All of our communities are online and it isn't the same. And we're not experiencing that renewal and growth and healing that we desperately need so very much, and we get best from being together. And so I was thinking about and praying about how we can get back together and how we can start to heal. And I started to think about the things that I love to see when I go to antique malls, all of those old items, those rusty, worn, vintage pieces of junk, even that have been upcycled and made into something more beautiful and purposeful than they were to begin with. And I believe that that is what we can look forward to when we experience true renewal spiritually and emotionally. Mm. And when we do it in community together, we can do these projects, these crafts, but also be tangibly experiencing that renewal as we do the crafts, as we do the art together. It's not a perfection-based kind of craft or art, but it's a healing Process And then after we have come together around a purpose that we share, we can give those projects to people that also need hope and renewal by donating them to children's homes or veterans organizations or domestic violence shelters or even college campuses where kids wow. are feeling alone and disconnected and they need to know someone's thinking about them
0: and that they have hope for their future as well. I love it. So, you know, just tell us a little bit of how, how can those who feel worthless find purpose and hope?
1: We need to first identify what things that we are labeling ourselves with, what we are saying Mm -hmm. of ourselves that aren't true and select those statements and write them down and identify those as shame lies. If we don't Mm -hmm. identify it, we're not going to be able to battle it. So you have to know what you're fighting against. You may be your worst enemy by adopting all of these shame messages as inner self-talk that you automatically say over yourself. I'm a failure. I'm stupid. I never do this. I always do that. All of those hyperbole based statements about things that aren't true. You would never say those things to your daughter, your sister, your best friend. And if you wouldn't say it to someone you love, you're not loving yourself when you say it to yourself and you're not able to receive love and grace, and then you're not able to give it well. So it is stunting your ability to love well when you're not receiving love yourself, when you're not treating yourself lovingly.
0: I love how you said shame lies. I think that's the first time that I actually hear it. And as a therapist myself, we think about the negative cognitions, the story you tell yourselves, um, negative thinking, negative mindset, but this is the first time I've heard someone put it in context of shame lies. And I really love that because there is shame attached to those negative cognitions, to those feelings of worthlessness, to those words that you tell yourself. Um, so it's beautiful how, how you put that together and said that. And I'm, I'm definitely taking note with it because it's true. It's shame lies, the lies we tell ourselves that keep us in this shame. Wow. <laughs> So, how can we overcome isolation and loneliness?
1: Well, first, you need to recognize that you are the vessel of love, grace, and mercy, and compassion that someone else needs. So when you're alone and you're isolated, your best thing to do is to reach out, even and especially when you don't feel like it. When you're not feeling it, when you want to isolate, that's precisely when you most need to pour love into someone else that also needs love. By reaching out to someone else who is alone, someone else who is in need of mercy and hope, then you are able to receive that love and have it pour through you to bless someone else. And you are also experiencing that fulfillment that makes you less alone while you are reaching out and caring for someone else.
0: Yeah. Now, what about like people who just struggle, um, innately to reach out to someone else to be a part of their uh, community because of perhaps depression, because perhaps, um, a trauma in connecting and trusting other folks. What would you, what would you advise?
1: If someone is struggling with what might be, even if you're not sure whether it is or not a mental illness like depression or something like grief, even you need to reach out to a counselor and find one that you feel comfortable with. If the first person you reach out to is not a good fit for you, please don't give up. Please keep trying until you find someone who is going to resonate with you, who is going to bring you healing and hope, and then get you to a place where you can reach out to a community of supportive and healthy people. People Going to a meetup or a Bible study or a charitable organization and becoming part of something where you have a shared sense of purpose and hope that is going to bring you into that fullness of healing. But if you're in a place where you're in a very, very dark space yourself and you need professional help please do not hesitate to reach out and try to find that perfect person. There are resources online for that. You can go to AACC.net and find a list of counselors. There are lots of resources online. I'm sure that you have them available since you're a therapist for your audience, but, but please do reach out. Don't remain alone and don't suffer in silence. There are too many people out there who are going to be blessed. Why the opportunity? to get to know you and bring you that healing.
0: I love how you said that, blessed by the opportunity. You know, it, it, it talks about like the work that you do and really, especially like in this book in pushing people towards their purpose and connection and community and not feeling alone, but understanding that everyone has these gifts that God has given them, that we can use them, you know, for, for a purpose. And I, I, I love how you um, emphasize that. Um with that being said, you know, what sometimes we, we have harmful labels that we put upon ourselves. So, what harmful labels could we use to define ourselves?
1: Well, sometimes we don't recognize that they're harmful. Sometimes we could say, oh, yeah, that's definitely negative. I'm calling myself a failure. I'm calling myself stupid. Those things are easy to recognize as harmful labels, right? They're based on shame. Yeah. But sometimes we're simply labeling ourselves according to things that aren't going to be satisfying or fulfilling, like our roles like Mm -hmm. our status, like our appearance, like whether or not our social circles are giving us the acceptance and approval that we need. Those are things that are like drinking salt water. You're going to keep wanting more and thirsting more, and that's never going to fully satisfy you. So unless you seek those things through a faith relationship, through really who you are and fulfilling who you are, they're not going to be the designer's label for your life and who God says you are. And when you look Mm -hmm. for who God says you are, that's going to be where you find your fulfillment and your true identity. Mm.
0: I love that. And speaking about that, and God says who you are, that is the message that we often forget because we are so focused on the labels that other people have given us and that we've given ourselves. And in true nature form, we always tend to forget, forget who God says we are when you're meeting with families or kids or in your work as a as a speaker um as a coach how would you advise or work with someone and what tools would you give someone who has all these labels and these this mindset and this shame lies and kind of forget that God has a story for ourselves as opposed to what we perceive the world and and, and from us
1: Well, we always want to try to fabricate something when we don't have any other resources. So recognizing the tools that you have created for yourself for coping, that were all that you had to begin with when you were in crisis or trauma or when someone else was giving you shame labels and realizing I don't need those labels. Those are not serving me well now. So instead of shaming yourself for adopting something that isn't true or isn't healthy for you, recognizing this is just something I did when I didn't have anything better. But now Mm. I can take on something new and something better. Always looking at this from a growth perspective, a strength-based perspective, is Mm -hmm. what I'm saying over myself leading me forward into fulfillment, into things that matter, for eternal purposes, things that are going to resonate with blessing the people who are in touch with me and blessing my relationship with God intimately on my own. Is this kind of way of looking at myself going to grow me upward and outward, or is it holding me back? Because shame will always paralyze us. Now, God may <clears throat> convict yes, us, <laughs> He may say, This isn't what's best for you, but He's always doing yeah. it in a with a purpose of healing you and helping you move forward into something better. He's not yeah. pushing you down to leave you down. You right. have that opportunity to take his hand and be lifted up out of a place that is unhealthy, into a place that is growth centered. That is Mm. healing centered, not just for you, but for the other people that are waiting for what God has put in you that you can give. He created you. You were created uniquely for a purpose, for a certain set of people that are waiting for you to give what you have planted deep within your soul that was there Mm. before you were even born. You are unique masterpiece. We are God's masterpieces created Mm to do good works, which were prepared in advance for us to do. So you have that waiting ahead of you. Someone out there is waiting for what you have been designed to offer to them. So your healing matters not just to you, but to other people who will receive blessings through you. You are uniquely made in a way that they will receive it from you. Not everyone's going to receive it from me. I am not the vessel that everybody's going to resonate with. They may be waiting for
0: you, for what you have to offer. Oh, I, I have goosebumps right now because I'm like, did you send her to speak to me? Lord? <laughs> <laughs> I I love, I love what you're saying. And, and it kind of brings me to um, the other side of why do you think it's important for gathering with believers? Why do you feel that that is important as you're walking in your faith, as you're walking in your purpose, as you're designing your life to remove yourself from these shame lies and shame labels, etc.
1: We help each other grow when we're in community, you don't grow as well when you're by yourself, because you're not going to notice the places where you have opportunities to grow and change and get better. When you're in community with other people, sometimes those conflicts are actually helping you become a better person. And if you Mm. look at those things that way, it's a little bit like sandpaper. And then there's another reason why community helps us to fulfill our purpose better. We are kind of like wheels in clockwork. Each of us has places where we have divots in our wheels, where we're missing something. And we each have places where we have strengths, those big nodules in the wheel, those strong places that extend forward from us and give us momentum and help things change. But just like the cogs in a wheel in a clockwork, we are meant to fit perfectly in where other people's strengths meet where our places of shortcomings are and fit into those places. And our strengths fit into the places where they do not have strengths. And we turn those wheels together and make things happen. Nobody has all the spiritual gifts. Nobody has all of the talents. Nobody has all of the experiences, but together we are powerful and we strengthen one another and we encourage one another. Even those of us who have similar gifts can encourage others who have similar gifts because we are in a place where we are being constantly discouraged and pushed down and held back and wounded. So together we can strengthen and bolster one another and make each other be able to stand up when we've been knocked down. You can help your sister stand up when she's been knocked down. She may not be able to get up by herself. So in community, that's what we do for one another.
0: I think that's beautiful that you say that. I also want to pay attention to what social media is saying or what other people are saying who have like big platforms or big voices or, um, Big followings, but sometimes, right? Some people are, because of their own shame lies, um, like to throw out the message that you can't trust anyone. You could only trust yourself. You need to be mindful. You need to be careful. Like all this fear mongering in that aspect as far as like, shine is shunning you away from community and really putting you more into isolation and i'm not about that it's interesting i was having a conversation with someone i think it was yesterday or, or the day before um actually it was two days before i was a part of uh this talk at microsoft with other um authors of the latinx and social work uh book that we had just released and i was saying sometimes i'm not comfortable in spaces with my own community with the latino community um in, in the social work field, because sometimes we've seen there's like this crabs in a barrel approach. It's like everyone is just like striving to get to the top um, and pulling other people down. And so I've found my community in other spaces, um, which have been helpful. So it hasn't shunned me away from completely not being part of a community, but there are people who are not in their spiritual growth and journey who will see an experience or have an experience of that nature. And completely isolate and completely feel like, you see, this is why I have to be on my own or I'll stay in my own bubble or I'll just stay in my own own space. So I, I say that to say that what you're saying is important because we combat that, I, I don't want to say ideology, but that thought that not being around community or not being around people who won't, who, who are like this crabs in a barrel mentality. um actually just perpetuates isolation and loneliness, as you mentioned before. And it doesn't help support you and grow you. And that just because you had one bad experience or a few bad experiences, perhaps you're not finding the right people to connect with.
1: Right. And it's important to rec- recognize that wounded people often wound other people. And yeah. we've, we people can see people. that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And knowing that you can love As a response Mm -hmm. to their insecurity, instead of allowing their insecurity to become your insecurity. So you could choose whether to adopt that or not. The opposite of love is fear but the Mm -hmm. the opposite of that is true. The opposite of fear, the antidote to fear is also love and insecurity, which fuels and feeds all of that competitive, envious, backbiting, betrayal kind of behavior. It's all based in insecurity and fear. And that is why people behave that way. And then that is also something that affects us. And it kind of tempts us to respond with insecurity and fear of other people. It takes a great deal of intentionality to respond instead with love and grace and importantly, boundaries, emotional boundaries, not letting your junk become my junk, not letting your wounds become something that infects and corrupts my grace nature. I could still be gracious and love you, but that doesn't mean I have to believe that you are more trustworthy than you are. So recognizing that people have limitations and putting some boundaries up that recognizes their limitations so that you could still love them, but recognize that they're only trustworthy to this extent with the limitations that they have. And that's kind of like if you had somebody who had Parkinson's, In your family, you can love Aunt Betty with Parkinson's, right? But you're not going to give her the tray of crystal to carry into the living room because she's not capable. You know that she has limitations. That doesn't mean you don't love her. It just means there's certain things that she could do and certain things that she's not capable of managing. And people are like that emotionally. Sometimes people are so frail and unhealthy emotionally that they're not there to be able to handle your emotionally sensitive material. Your trust deeply with all of the stuff of your heart. They're just not capable of handling that effectively. So you don't give that to them. I love
0: it. I love it. You know, it's, it's learning to love people despite their flaws, despite what they're going through, but pouring in that love. And that's, that's exactly what we're placed here to do. You know, and it's, it, it goes into this question for you is like, how might sharing your craft increase the blessing?
1: When you give what you have been blessed with to someone else, it blesses you exponentially more. So when you have learned something and that. you share it, that deepens yeah. that learning. It roots it deeper into who you are when you teach yeah. it. When you're teaching something, you learn it more deeply. You find that when you're out teaching and speaking, I'm sure. And that's the same is true when you're giving away something that demonstrates what you have learned, what you have grown in, what you've been blessed with. It deepens that learning in you and takes it to that next level. And it also gives somebody else an opportunity to experience that blessing on the first level for the first time so that in turn, they will just sort of have this ripple effect out from where you learned to where the next person is growing. The next person beyond them is growing and it becomes a world changing
0: experience. I love it. Tina, I always ask this one last question before we wrap up. Can you share with us three tools and it could be any tools and it's either based on letting go of shame lies. It could be based on building community. It could be based on the tools you've left in your book. Um, or with finding your craft. So you. this is your goal time to figure out where spirit is leading you to drop three tools for our readers, our, our listeners. <laughs> well, i kind of hinted
1: at a couple of them. But, so I'm going to go back yeah. to the one about identifying your shame lies. Identify any negative messages you say about yourself that you wouldn't say to somebody you love and write them down. And then next to them, write down something you would say. To someone that you loved, something that is true, something that someone who loves you like God, if you have that faith, that's really helpful toward your healing. What would he say based on knowing that he's someone that would give his very life for you? What would he say about who you are and how precious you are to him? So write a new true statement out. So every time you hear yourself saying or thinking those negative thoughts, go back to the positive truth and replace it. And it's going to take some time to actually replace that in your mind. So don't be discouraged that it takes time because it took time to get it rooted in there like a rut of thoughts in the neural pathways. So you're just going to take some time to build new neural pathways, to build new default thoughts. So build your new positive default thoughts. So that would be one tool. And the second tool is how can you change bitterness, self-defensive fearful and insecure thoughts about other people into thoughts about how you can see them with grace. How can you see other people with love and grace and have an opportunity to reach out from your heart to hear their heart and connect with other people by listening for their feelings, their insecure feelings, their wounded feelings, not just the anger or the bitterness or the the self-importance that you're seeing on the surface, which is a protective layer, but listen mm-hmm. for someone's heart, listen for their emotions and reflect back. I hear your heart. I hear that you're afraid that your boss might fire you. I hear that you're tired and morning. And you don't feel anybody notices what you're doing. Do that to anybody. I mean, you can do that in the grocery store. You could do that at your workplace. You could do that at home, even more importantly. So listen for someone's heart and see other people with grace. And then also take time to just be still and Mm. receive love in your heart, your mind, and your spirit. And just listen and contemplate. What am I thankful for this season? What is something that I would miss if I lost it? If you're having a trouble thinking of something that you're thankful for, what would you miss if you lost it? Is there anything in your life that if it was taken away from you, you'd miss it? That's something to be thankful for. Your breath, your ability to have fresh water. There are things that we take for granted all the time. So yeah. just thinking gratitude-based thoughts and listening for love to just fill your heart, your mind, and your spirit and be willing to receive that. Receive that love fully and deeply so that then you can give it forward.
0: I love it. Tina, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for sharing your gifts, your talent, and your words today with our listeners. Where can people find you? They
1: can find almost everything that they need at Tina That's Y-E-A-G-E-R. That's got my life coaching, my speaking, my podcast, and places where you
0: can order my books. Awesome. Tina, thank you so much for spending this time with us on the Beauty is Me podcast. So humbled and grateful that you were here with us. Thank
1: you. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope this episode fed your soul. Please be sure to download new episodes. You can also head on over to rate, review, and subscribe. For more updates, find us at www.iambeautiousme.com or on Instagram at IamBeauteousMe. Don't forget to use the hashtag podcast for your feedback.